in the name of one God who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. I don't know about you, but I have never been to a dinner party where people are shoving each other out of the way to sit closer to the host. In first century Palestine, it would have been more accurate to say, lay next to the host, because men reclined together on couches while they ate and drank, and be so uncomfortable, I can't imagine a, you know, a sip of wine laying down, it doesn't make any sense, but that was comfortable. But this is what Jesus is hanging back and watching. Men jostling for the best position, the position of honor and privilege, the one that they will have them noticed by everyone and make others pea green with envy. In our modern world, we have evolved to avoid this embarrassing scene. We are much more subtle. We have seating charts. The concept, however, remains the same. At a wedding banquet, those with the closest ties to the bride and groom are given places of honor close to the happy couple. At Thanksgiving dinner, Aunt Agnes is intentionally seated down the table next to her favorite nephew, Tom, in case she gets a little tipsy and emotional. We find a way to avoid the nosy, annoying neighbor. Whether we have a literal seating chart to follow or not, we have a tendency to rank ourselves and even others. Below the surface of today's parables, Jesus is addressing this part of the human condition, their propensity for self-promotion, embellishment, preservation, and our need for praise. To our sense of pride and what some call deservedness, and the need to keep those we consider not as deserving in their proper place, further down the table and mostly out of view. Throughout biblical wisdom literature, we are warned against this kind of runaway pride and, and lack of humility. The lesson today from Ecclesiasticus tells us the beginning of human pride is to forsake the Lord. The heart has withdrawn from its maker. The flip side of that coin in Jesus' time was the polar opposite. Humility was not a virtue at all. In fact, in first century Hellenistic and Roman cultures, it was thought of as a shameful weakness, especially if one displayed humility towards someone considered less than oneself. Honor was the order of the day, and it only flowed one way, from those at a lower station upward to those considered most worthy of praise. And of course, everyone knew where they stood in the hierarchical class system. If you were in the company of someone more distinguished than yourself, you would always defer to him and behave with restraint. 
that does not sound all that different from today. Jesus offers all those within earshot an alternative vision. In Jesus' real-life parables, everyone is looking for some kind of honor or reward for everyone else to see, preferably in this life, but certainly in the afterlife, at the very least. And Jesus doesn't minimize our very human fear of disgrace and shame when we fail to garner honors. Even so, as we with all of Jesus' parables, there is a deeper point. As one commentator observed, it is not the appropriate way to get exalted that Jesus addresses, but the frame of mind that seeks exaltation in any fashion. It is not the appropriate way to get exalted but the frame of mind that seeks exaltation in any fashion in the first place. Try it the other way around, says Jesus. For those in a position of power and prestige, try breaking all the rules by starting from the lowest place and see what happens. Set aside your pride for just a moment and see what changes. Start with a humble heart and see where it leads. Start with a humble heart, Jesus? Really? Easier said than done. But in God's kingdom, at God's wedding feast, nothing is impossible. The kind of humility Jesus is talking about has nothing to do with our own egos with how hard we work to be whatever we perceive to be perfect, less judgmental, more lovable, or more humble in the sight of God or anyone else. Instead, it is a divine action within us that softens our edges, that turns our pride and self-interest into curiosity and compassion for others that allows us to follow God's commandment to love our neighbor and open our hands to those in need. In his book, We Make the Road by Walking, Brian McLaren states that it is the spirit that leads us downward to the bottom, to the place of humility, to the position and posture of service. That is where the spirit like water flows. 12-step spirituality has a lot to teach us about cultivating a humble heart. One of the core principles is humility. One group's definition is rich, not proud or haughty, not arrogant or assertive, a clear and concise understanding of what we are, followed by a sincere desire to become what we can be. The steps toward humility include the reminder that we are reliant on our higher power alone. It strikes me how much that affirmation mirrors Ecclesiasticus. The beginning of human pride is to forsake the Lord. The heart has withdrawn from its maker. 
The 12 steps and wisdom affirm that we can't change our predispositions and shortcomings through our own will. That we are in need of God's generous love and generosity at every moment. The steps capture another core discipline. The willingness to shine a bright light into our own souls and take a fearless inventory of our lives, our motivations, our pride, our wrongs, and our behaviors. This kind of self-examination takes courage. It takes an open heart and an open mind, and it takes our attention and patience and practice. It especially takes prayer and contemplation and meditation. It can be scary because we will be changed. Yet it is how we continually become what we can be. It is how we are able to move into a life that sees and behaves differently, with more clarity, connection, courageousness, compassion, and humility. A life where we authentically love God and all our neighbors. A life where the spirit, like water, flows. Amen.